The following program may contain coarse language, suggested dialogue, and discussion of violent imagery and sexual situations. It is intended for mature listeners who can tell the difference between facts and opinions. Welcome to another episode of the Tsunami Faithful Podcast. I'm your host today, CJ, and with me I have an illustrious group of guests starting with... Hey folks, it's Lord GTZ, editorial writer. And... Lizkin, another editorial writer. And joining us with a brand new title... Celia Rose, director of social media at ToonamiFaithful.com. Yay! For those of you <laughs> who are going to be obviously hearing this... Uh, after we announced this, Celia has been recently promoted as the director of social media for her amazing work that she's done. God, it feels like five years, but it hasn't been that long. But for the time that she's first joined us to up to now, she has done nothing but impress everyone. And I think fans and listeners would agree that her commentary on the Tsunami News Twitter account has been second to none. It has been absolutely off the chain. I will give her a pass on her puns, but... Uh, <laughs> she's recently been promoted as we were also bringing in a new staff member. So we wanted to reward her for her tireless efforts on everything. So first of all, Celia, congrats on this latest development. Thank you. You know, I think actually by the time this episode comes up, I will have been on staff for a full year. <gasps> like by the time I was allowed to finally like manage the accounts and start posting on them. Yeah, it takes a while, but you know... It's because of someone else who's a little squeamish on that, <clears throat> Paul. But um, it, it turned out to be one of our best decisions. And I know V-Lord and Laser would agree that you have been such a welcomed addition to the Tanami Faithful team. I know I feel that way. So it's just it, it's, it's such a momentous occasion, A, for a year. That's awesome. And B, the fact that you've worked as hard as you have to, you know, be the new woman in charge when it comes to that side of the department. Yeah, it's really cool. So, and like I said, we could gush over about this for an entire podcast, which probably makes Celia leave after about two minutes. But uh, the real focus on what we're doing for today is a My Hero Academia Season 4 discussion. And I was looking through some of our podcasts. We haven't talked about Season 4, really, unless there was interviews like with uh, John Gremian and Kellen Goff. So uh, there's a lot that we kind of just didn't do. And I can't blame myself because I've only been starting hosting like recently since like January of this year. So it isn't my fault. So talk to Sketch and Paul on that for not thinking about doing this sooner because we do. God, Sketch really needs to step up his game. Well, it's just if you listen to our (laughs) season two recap of um, Black Clover, you realize that, you know, maybe doing all of the seasons that in one episode really doesn't work out as much because, oh, my God, that was that was just like, I, there were so many things I forgot. There were so many things my guests forgot. Like, we were just like, wait, that thing happened, right? What thing? The thing. All this stuff is just like. The thing with the other thing. Yeah. So uh, hopefully we won't do that for My Hero Academia. And thankfully we have uh, three guests who remember certain uh, story arcs uh, really well. So that's, you know, good. So I can kind of just sit back and relax. 
kind of let them do the talking. I know it's the best, best hosting job to facilitate, to do nothing but facilitate. It's wonderful. Um, but we're going to be discussing season four, especially since season five is going to be airing on Toonami right around the corner. Uh, if I recall, it's going to be May, let's see, Dr. Stone is, I think, the 12th. So seven days from that. So May 5th, I think My Hero's coming in. If I'm uh, recalling that. It's May 8th May for 8th. My Hero. And then so I think May 15th, 15th for Dr. Okay. Stone. So I had those dates completely, completely wrong. So, yes, listen listen to the social media lady, as she's been called before. <laughs> uh, so, but yeah, we wanted to kind of get this discussion out there right before, you know, that season kind of kicked off on Toonami, which I'm sure many people are excited, even though it has already begun airing in Japan and simuldubbed on Funimation.com. Toonami will... Once again, get a chance to showcase it. But let's come back to season four. Because for me, I think we start seeing more of that tonal change in My Hero that we kind of got a taste of back when uh, Stain first showed up. Uh, Stain is always like someone I go back to from My Hero Academia. It's just what a great villain. Uh, he's, it, he does so many things right and wrong that makes it like such a compelling type of ethics case when it comes to talking about the character and we kind of see that more when it comes to the fourth season because you start seeing just how freaking crazy and just evil uh the league of villains are especially the fact that they would uh join forces with a former yakuza with overhaul and then when you see how overhaul kind of goes through the motions and then how his uh plan kind of when it starts to falter he really starts to get aggressive it is scary, man. It is super scary. I remember watching the premiere of season four at Anime Expo. God, remember cons? Uh, and I uh, was sitting, I think, with Sketch. I don't know if V-Lord was with us, but I'm, I think he might have saw it uh, as well when it debuted. Uh, it was one of those where you had to get a ticket, too. It was crazy. But uh, I don't think I bothered with that one. Oh, my God. I hate you. No. Because okay. I think what happened is, like, we were trying to get the tickets beforehand and I use like the lottery thing to get you the ticket. Oh, then I love you. <laughs> I don't remember Lord, any of sacrificing that. himself for the sake of others. I mean, to be honest, I didn't really care that much. Cause like I knew MHA season four was going to be good. So I was fine with waiting anyways. Hmm. I honestly don't remember like how that came to be, but I actually believe you Lord on this case. So he probably did. So good V Lord. We, we, we honor his sacrifice by giving him manga. And it's along the lines of where that first episode really has you hyped. So right off the bat, we see Overhaul kill Magane. But we see that character die in kind of a, dare I say, heroic way even too, where you see a flashback for the character and like you start to get like an emotional appeal considering what they were trying to do beforehand. And then boom, they're just dead. And uh, I know the... Uh, the magician dude that can like transport people, like the one who captured uh, Bakugo earlier. Yeah, like he loses an arm. And I'm like, what yep. the heck? So you get this very, very just immediate dire type of situation that shows you that these sides really mean business. And while I wouldn't put Overhaul in the same type of category as Stain, he he felt compelling. And I th but I think it was more so because of what he was doing with Ari than him himself. I feel like Stain was very uh, charismatic and very, like, he makes you wonder, you know, if he did a couple of things differently, like not murder people, 
you kind of understand what he's talking about because you see how heroes in My Hero Academia do kind of fall under the the umbrella of like, oh, we want the limelight. You know, we want the fame and fortune. We don't want to do the work. Unlike, you know, the person that Stain revered is All Might, uh, who actually didn't mind doing, you know, community service stuff. And so I wonder how you guys feel about watching, you know, Overhaul and his kind of group and basically his power play asking Shigaraki to give him the League of Villains, thinking that Shigaraki's just, you know, like a toddler who has a new toy or, you know, they gave a toddler a flamethrower and he doesn't know how to use it yet when he's more refined and can. Because I just I never had that type of, oh, Overhaul's here kind of to stay. This dude means business kind of stuff. I just felt like he was more kind of used to really make people feel bad because of uh, how Aerie was being treated due to her quirk and things like that. And Bueller, I'll start with you um, just for, you know, being the manga aficionado that you are when it comes to popular weekly Shonen Jump titles. So I did find it interesting that Overhaul was introduced in the story the way he was, because right before that, it felt like Shigaraki was kind of being built up to now be the forefront antagonist of the series. And for the majority of this arc, that's kind of put to the side and overhauls the focus. But I think it also really helps establish kind of the escalation of threat in a way. Especially because we see overhaul like be able to very easily kill just like Shigaraki subordinates. And then even what he's doing like inside his own organization with experimenting on Aerie and all the other like crazy things they're doing with like quirk drug enhancement and all that stuff. So I felt like it was a kind of nice change of pace. And once we actually got more of like overhaul's backstory later into the arc, I think I definitely got a lot more attached to him as a character or at least found him more compelling and like understand like why he kind of went down the path that he did. Cause like, in a way, he had good intentions because he wanted to revitalize what he viewed the Yakuza to be. And down that line, it ended up becoming this far more dangerous thing than he intended. And I, I do find that kind of very interesting in a way. Mm. Well, and I, I do get your point on that, too, only because you see how drastic and how like aggressive he gets later when we reach the kind of finality of his arc too. So I, I think that he does introduce a very, what's the word I want to say? Like kind of like how it's not like the golden age of heroes, right? Where you just have, you know, Superman flying around to save the day. It's like, no, they're bad people and they're going to do some really bad things. And you might not be able to save all the victims that you want. Like when Deku first met Eri, he had the feeling that he wanted to save her right there, but couldn't, didn't have any type of cause to or any type of feeling. It was just his gut reaction. You know, the thing that made him chase after Bakugo, even when he didn't have a quirk. And I think it's it's kind of like that similar situation, just with much higher stakes as we later see in it. And Laser, I feel like you've been chomping at the bit, ready to come in. Like, how do you, when you, when you hear this type of conversation, like which like how me and V-Lord are kind of setting it up right now, What were, what's your take of how, overhaul being introduced about you know how he fits into this whole my hero academia world as a villain so to say and how at least for me he didn't feel as i wouldn't say memorable because I, I to be honest what makes him the most memorable is really the performance by kellen goff oh man he got that 
gravitas and that like very stern voice and then the anger really well too but for me he doesn't quite hit that same level that i would expect with like shigaraki or with stain so i'm curious to hear your kind of point of view when it comes to this discussion with overhaul i had fun with this because it's actually the first hero uh, academia um arc that i actually read the manga first um and i can definitely say there's some truth to what you're saying because yes having kellen goff voice him helps overhaul immensely 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 uh but even when i was just reading the manga i got a lot of the same stuff that v lord got where you could see this man is super desperate. The problem is you get this towards the end of the arc. And so until you get towards the end of the arc where it's like, hey, I was uh, adopted by the, 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 the Yakuza and I want to pay him back. And I'm not exactly the best at doing that. And, oh, I'm going to go against my own, you know, head of the family to do it because I want to give back to the head of the family. Like, it's a desperate desire to give back even when he's being told not to and not fully understanding what the Yakuza family was. And it's just interesting to see how he, his own psychology works. But until you get to that last moment, he's just, I'm the bad guy doing mean things to Aerie. So there's definitely some validity to what you have to say. Yeah, to interject there too, I feel like that's kind of a big issue in this arc in general. There's this very weird, like, uh, lack of focus at times and probably things that should have been moved earlier into the arc, like, probably Overhaul's backstory really kind of affect the overall, I guess, impact of everything, which kind of sucks, because I think the core emotional beats of this arc are still really good. It's just not very well organized. Mm. That's a that's an interesting point. Uh, Celia, what, w- what would you say when it comes to thinking about Overhaul? Or, like, when you think of this arc... The first thing that does come to mind is overhaul. I think that's something that my hero does well, where I think the villains or the antagonists or the foils really come to mind as as it pertains to like story arcs of watching Deku grow. Before it was Bakugo. Then all of a sudden it was like the UA student in uh, Aizawa when he's almost getting expelled. We go to Stain, uh, the USJ incident, obviously, when we see Nomu and Shigaraki for the first time. It just, it, it seems to me like the intensity of the villains is kind of what sets the tone for each arc. And I'm curious how you felt of how overhaul kind of did that for this beginning part of season four. Mm, For me, I think it was actually kind of hard coming from season three because I felt the villains in season three, even though they were very like black and white were very compelling. Um, Like I really enjoyed staying and seeing where that was going. And then they finally introduced shoot. What's his name? All for, all for one yeah, yes, yeah, yeah all for one thank you it has been over a year um <laughs> <laughs> but you finally get to see all for one face to face and really see what the stakes are with him that by the time overhaul came around i'm like oh he's just a kid who got caught up with the yakuza and i actually kind of stopped watching season four because i was like that's not super interesting to me <laughs> right you know so the so i think that while it can set the tone I think sometimes when you're coming from a really big high, like the end of season three, that even though not necessarily going ramping up further may have been the best way to handle the story next, depending on your preferences, taking it down a notch might be enough to make you disengage from the story, but it could also just be the lull that you need in order to work back up towards the end. And maybe your overhaul doesn't quite do that. I know what probably helped with that type of lull and like to make this season or at least the beginning make it feel more interesting was getting to see like Lamillion, 
night is it night eye or night hawk i'm forgetting right now it's night eye right night i thought eye. so you get to see him and you saw him as the only other side or the only sidekick that all might ever had you see the actual candidate that many people thought should have gotten uh all for one from all might right with lamillion which oh god i see it time and time again i kind of wish it was him too i love his quirk i love his personality i love who he is you know he's a great hero and you do get some of the type of backstory that i think drives a series especially when learning more about all might you get to see why night eye was such a big fan of it or not even just a big fan but became you know his sidekick and seemed to know everything uh you got to see kind of his way of protecting the city as compared to how probably Deku and All Might would do it. And you see these conflicting styles within the heroes instead of just, oh, the heroes and bad guys want to just, you know, fight each other and, you know, stop all the, you know, they want their side to win, I guess, in a sense. So I like that. But it's just, as I think Vueler kind of hit it on the nail, it just felt so disjointed. It felt like they were trying to put too much in one thing. And I'm not saying that, like, it's bad or anything along those lines, but... You can have a whole podcast just about overhaul and what he brings to the table because I think it's super different from what all the other villains in My Hero at the time uh, were bringing, right? Uh, you get to see a much more cruel kind of side of things, especially with using Aerie as that kind of device considering, you know, sweet innocent girl being, you know, tortured pretty much and bringing back the kind of Yakuza type of trope that you see in a lot of uh, anime. And it's, it's just an interesting thing. Like, I love his Plague Doctor disguise, too, because he feels like quirks are a sickness. He wants to try to heal. So it's a very type of avant-garde type of style that he chose that I think works, especially with how creepy he is. But then you have, you know, the whole Night Eye angle, considering that he doesn't want All Might to die, and he ends up dying himself. And We can say that spoiler. It's fine. <laughs> you see, like, Lemillion, why he was viewed as, like, the best... Uh, successor to all might and then you also get these side stories with like fat gum red riot who had a really interesting part and then like uraka just kind of standing which come on man give her give her some yeah, that, meat on. that's the other issue with this arc the female characters really get nothing to do they they well it's not even just yeah. the female characters too it's pretty much everyone who isn't todoroki bakugo and deku it's been a huge problem that i felt you know i want to say since season three um and it, it and it, I might be a little biased in saying that only because I've seen what an author can do with a large cast and giving them a chance to shine a la Black Clover. Yeah, suck it, haters. But uh, it's one of those types not of... not wrong. I'm, I, I know I'm not because it's just like there. <laughs> like you'd have to be blind not to see it. And so it's frustrating that we get all these different plot points that they're trying to kind of mesh together to make this cohesive and compelling story and while we get highs you know deku fighting overhaul was a fantastic fight and you know fat gums fight red rise fight was great it just it didn't feel like it made sense it it, it it just didn't you know what i mean like all of a sudden we're getting his back or you know red riot's backstory and i'm just like what like it comes out of nowhere because we didn't feel like we had that type of build up or that pathos for this character all we really knew about him at the time was that he's the same as tetsu 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 kind of thing and that um he's, he can kind of get in the line with bakugo uh just like when they were saving him from all for one right that was really I it kind of i kind of like that they were expanding on him at this point though and i and it does it just didn't somewhere. make sense that's the problem i don't know it, i felt like that was at least built up a little bit because like he had, had like brief moments before that in this season and even the previous season 
And I think, like, his backstory and, like, his fight is probably, like, one of the highlights of this arc for me, actually. I would definitely agree. His his story and his fight is one of the best parts, at least of this arc. It's not I um it's not my favorite thing, but we'll get to my favorite thing. That's that's not in this arc. Right. It's just yeah. I don't know. For me, the way that how my hero's really been going from the motions from like season one, season two, season three, season four. It just it felt like oh wait I don't have Todoroki or Bakugo here well we might as well throw this person in to get their moment to shine and then we'll never hear from them again I'm just like ah, that's so frustrating and I know that's not necessarily the case for him I'm just saying with how it's been built up beforehand that's why it kind of felt weird and out of place for me I can yeah. understand um I it 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 seems to be getting a lot better over time on that like everyone's get gets their little moment unless you're Araka. Unless you're a rocker. I mean, that, the biggest problem is, like, Class 1A is so big that it's impossible to focus on everyone. So mm-hmm. when it ends up getting narrowed down to Bako, Todoroki, and Deku, everyone else just kind of goes to the wayside. And then when someone else does get the spotlight, it feels abrupt, like CJ's saying, because so much focus is usually on those three. Mm-hmm. That's fair enough, but the way I put it is it's... You're going to get what, um, be, like you said, there's a lot of characters there. And it's nice that we get focus on other characters here and there anyway. And getting what we can get is great. Like, if you go back to season one, if your name is not Deku or, or Bakugo, you got nothing. Yeah. Well, yeah, basically. Basically. <laughs> and so that's why. And then we get to start with, like, season two with Todoroki. But it stayed consistent with Todoroki after season two. It's not this just one-off kind of thing that you're feeling. Like, I felt like Froppy is kind of thrown in at little bits and pieces. I'm like, I could use more of that. Momo had a, had her chance when she's uh, with Todoroki uh, fighting Aizawa for their uh, final test or midterms or whatever it was. And then it's just like, where's Momo? Where is she gone? Well, you know what I'm saying? Like, it just... I need more consistency, even if it's little moments. And I think the anime tried, right? Where we got to see uh, characters do their work studies with different heroes as filler, right? And then they even added some other filler episodes when they were trying to get the provisional license, right? It's it's one of those kind of things where it's like the anime is actually trying to enhance the overall, like, worldview of my hero. It just for here, for especially this overhaul arc... It just felt like he it was trying to like throw a few kind of things in there. Not because people are losing interest or that the story needed any spicing, but it's almost like kind of a, oh shit, I kind of forgot about this stuff. Let's try to make it work as best we can. And it, it just felt, a lot of pieces kind of felt out of place in a sense. But I don't begrudge it. I don't think that it's bad or anything like that. I love My Hero Academia. I think the stories are compelling when we get a lot of the stuff come together. Like I can't imagine people weren't hyped seeing the overhaul versus Deku fight. I think that's a really, really good one. Mostly, and again, I'm going to sound like a broken record, but mostly because of Kellen Goff's acting with that. It was so good. It was so good. Like, it was, I really enjoyed it. Um, And not to say that I think overall the uh, overhaul arc was bad. It just, it just felt a little disjointed compared to what we've been used to. Because I've always felt that the storytelling in My Hero has been strong. And maybe you guys disagree from like seasons one to three, but I've always felt that like, the storytelling of my hero has been super, super strong. Oh, I definitely agree. I just don't think it stopped being strong here. That's that's the main difference I have with you on this. Mm. I think it's like good that CJ's bringing this up, though, because oh, I remember absolutely. when this arc was running, a lot of people had similar feelings to CJ. Oh, wait, yeah. really? I thought I feel like I was in the minority of that. No, you're going to nah. get you. 
with 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 this season, it definitely seemed like it it, it was either a hit or a miss with people. But like, even though yeah. I feel the way that I do, that doesn't necessarily say I think that this was like overall bad. I think we got some important stuff like down. Right? Like, Lemillion losing their powers, saving Aerie, finding out more about Quirks, and just, I want to say, kind of the resolve that you have, like, and we've had that with Deku before, like when he saved Koda, for example, but reassuring uh, readers about that, considering that we see potentially better candidates than Deku, I think was important to see overall. Like, I, I don't think that was bad. Well, and I also, personally, when you, if you want to talk about the big fight, I love that Aerie actually managed to get involved in a very serious way where if she wasn't, it wouldn't have won it wasn't Deku alone here. No, no, she no, no. I just was I involved just, yeah, in the yeah. fight, and I love that. Yeah. No, it's it's great. It's kind of like her way of breaking through from all the trauma that she had. But mm-hmm. yeah, I just like I said, I think overall this this story arc, not bad. Not bad, because like I, I love Fat Gum. I think Fat Gum was really cool to introduce when it comes to heroes. Honestly, I love his quirk. I think that Fat Gum a... is one of my favorite characters. <laughs> I think that quirk's really, out. really cool. Um, but I, I definitely felt that this arc was a bit lacking in the whole... I don't know. I want to say in the sense of like feeling more concise and feeling more just like... I don't know. It, it felt a bit like whiplash for readers. And or, well, you know, those who've experienced the earlier stuff and maybe I'm wrong. Like, or I'm sure there will be some that's like, CJ, you're full of shit. Like, yeah, I know. But hey, I'm on a podcast. I what can I do? <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That's all. That's all with it. But no, I think it's good to kind of bring up these differences of opinion for because like my my view isn't end all be all. And I don't want people to think, you know, oh, CJ said this. So we have to agree with him on that. No, like I said, I could be full of shit. <laughs> it ain't. I mean, so could I for all I know. So, you know. Exactly kind of thing. So, but that's but just. V-Lord is never wrong. V-Lord. When well, it comes to I mean, manga, V-Lord is never. <laughs> and we have the pun master with Celia. So that's kind of our area of expertise right now. But after, after that whole stuff with overhaul, you know, we can get our kind of gripes out of the way. I think my hero made kind of more of an upswing because I love the school festival arc. I really oh, do. It's, it's I usually hate yes, these types I, of things. So I love it but, though. But you got gentle criminal, which is the best thing. Well, ever. we we'll, we'll talk about gentle. Don't get don't you worry about that. I wanted to focus more <laughs> on just the fact that like I really enjoyed the fact that there was an important kind of conflict that had nothing to do with them being in danger. I love this little change of pace to kind of just give fans readers anyone who's experienced it just some time to breathe right i love that and then like the their idea of setting up a concert uh their idea to like have a band do everything you know jiro getting to sing bakugo being good at drums and everyone's like what the hell (laughs) you know which i thought was funny like we got to see their personality it's the kind of stuff that i've been wanting from like this uh not the main cast, but like the side characters of 1A. I wanted to see more of their personality, and we finally got it. And then seeing that smile on Aerie when she's watching it was just everything. Oh my oh, yeah. god, the, my heart melted. I teared up. I'm about to tear up now just thinking about how just, oh, this poor girl had to deal with so much. And then she gets this moment where she forgets everything and just smiles. Oh my god, it touched me so much. But I, I just I loved it because of how we got to see more 
of the students that we don't normally, but it didn't feel as if it was being forced down our throats. It made sense. Of course, we're going to have Jiro do like musical stuff because hello, her family, her quirk, it makes total sense, right? And then incorporating everyone with their strengths and weaknesses to be able to create this wonderful experience for everyone was absolutely the type of thing that I want. It's like when you're at the Black Bulls and you get to see all of them like in at their headquarters and they're just doing whatever, right? It felt like that, but in a much more controlled and dare I say like more emotional level than just everyone doing their thing. It was so beautiful to me. I really loved it. No argument there. That was it's a fantastic thing. And I was I just agree. I, really good to see the podcast trying. I was just hoping like V Lord, you or Celia would just add on about like seeing seeing uh like them their personalities a little more so outside from just hey, we're gonna beat up bad guys, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean I like I agree with everything you said. Like I think it's a very nice like respite from like all the chaos that's in the story and like it feels emotionally right just because like these kids have been through a lot. They, they need a breather and so do the readers like and the viewers too so it's like it fit really well like i really like those spartan caskets flushed out and god the actual performance at the end of the school festival mm-hmm. that was fire mm-hmm. it was so oh, yeah. good oh yeah it was so good celia did you enjoy seeing the school festival i know you're a big fan of slice of life stuff like me no, not really. I'm joking. I was joking. I know. I know. That was the point. Oh my god, I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was not my favorite. Um, like I do think you need those character moments, especially with a really big cast. You got to give them their time to shine, so it doesn't feel like they're there just as props or like background filler. And I think if the school festival hadn't been paired with the gentle criminal arc because i did not really care for gentle criminal uh then i think i may have enjoyed it a little bit more and granted like obviously anime isn't the most graceful form of storytelling sometimes and sometimes you have stuff that's just really stupid but when i think about other like school festival scenarios that i have stuck with me and that i enjoyed you know there's just a charisma that was missing from this one that made me go oh yes school festival like how funny you know this little cultural thing that really americans aren't that super familiar with unless they already watch anime and finding a way to connect with your audience about it and this just didn't have it for me sad face but no that's important because i think this arc is i wouldn't say controversial but it has i feel like it's even more split and i think more so with tsunami viewers than anything else uh due to this arc feeling kind of that same type of way that you're talking about celia about not having the type of uh let's say flair or flash when it comes to like what you want for bang for your buck when it comes to story arcs i liked it only in the sense that i liked what gentle criminal type uh, kind of represented and i would like dare i say almost stain like where he's being rejected as a as a hero and so he's kind of like wait what you know what i'm saying like i like that kind of aspect of it only because I find it a, a very interesting argument to make, just like I figure Stain's argument was a very convincing argument as well. But I don't know. It's just I like Gentle Criminal in the sense that he offered something that still was pretty important, but more so philosophically than like how dangerous and like everything else would be. That, But I, I feel like a lot of Toonami viewers, at least at the time when this was debuting and re-debuting and then debuting again, <laughs> which also probably soured a lot of people. 
Um, yeah. Which I, I really wish they'd understand considering we were in a pandemic, but that's neither here nor there. But I think for me, I liked the type of argument that Gentle actually represented more so than what was actually happening in it. Because like, yeah, the arc or like him didn't really feel like anything was really that big of a deal. La Brava was just like, you know, hey, whatever. Um, but I liked I liked the thing that they were kind of representing in that kind of sense. And I'll, I'll start over with Laser since he couldn't wait to talk about Gentle. Uh, <laughs> give me give me give me the nuts and bolts of why you wanted to talk about specifically Gentle Criminal when we were going into the school festival arc. Well, what I really loved about Gentle Criminal, we just got off this really crazy dark storyline with uh airy being you know used and of course stuff with the shihisaikai and overhaul and all of this and as a side relief we have team rocket tell me i'm wrong mm, i did I, not I, get those vibes from them i 100 got team rocket vibes <laughs> from these guys these guys were the guys that are like i'm going to be the villain because i'm the villain <laughs> what is my crime you ask I randomly steal things and then put them back because I'm just showing off. I don't... I can see the Team Rocket aspect, but I feel like there's someone else that probably hits it more that I just can't think of at the moment. But I, I get, I get your point. Probably Kaido Kid. I mean, may, maybe Dick Dastardly and Muttley, if you prefer. Ooh, that's not bad. Yeah, I'll take that. I'll take it. Uh, I, like, I love it because it's this classic, super typical, old school, old school villain that isn't seriously di- like it's the kind of villain you're like all right show's over let's get some coffee okay all right show's back on i'm now i'm going to uh um tie the hero to the railroad track <laughs> right and it's I, it's kind of like was, the uh, adam west batman style you're thinking yes it, it does remind me of that and what i loved is they took this character made me laugh my ass off to this guy. I just could not stop laughing whenever he would do anything. Reading the manga, laughing my butt off, and then watching it on the show, laughing my butt off again. Oh my god, it was so great. And then having a twist. This character that made me laugh my butt off has a serious effect. There's a thing that's happening with him that's a reflection of a mod. Like you said, you know, kind of a stain-like experience. Like, okay, he wants to help, but he can't uh, in the way that quote-unquote society wants him to not because he's incapable he's plenty capable it's just the society kind of screwed him and you can kind of feel for that yeah i i totally that's why i thought like what he represented was really cool and what i really love really really love is that at the end of it he got the help he needs and wants and then of course there's the the, the whole thing with la brava is a whole nother that that's a whole nother just whammy of ow yeah, <laughs> I, I thought you were going to elaborate more on that. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> I don't even know where to begin on that one because there's just so much to unpack of this girl who was incredibly like bullied, was was suffering, and she just found joy in this cartoonish villain and jumped in all along. And then he doesn't know how to ha- handle all this, but it just kind of grows from there. She legitimately loves him and. Oh man, it is it is uh it is a mess, but it's a kind of emotional mess that you can really get invested in, especially after they make you laugh that you hard. S- you see, even stalkers can find love apparently. That's what apparently. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> um, And I, I know, it's just like I said, I find the concept of what they kind of represented at the time to be the more interesting part than what was actually happening. And so like Celia, you said you didn't this arc didn't uh, jive with you as much. 
was it more so just about the school festival stuff or was there stuff specifically with gentle that you were like nah this ain't it chief i'm just curious on your point of view he felt too silly which i know is kind of a strange thing to say about my hero academia because there's so many characters in this show that are goofy and that is their whole shtick like i really love um oh why can't i remember his name now i want to say it's aoyama the belly button one yep that's aoyama yeah aoyama i love him because that's his thing is he shoots a laser from his belly button and it's absolutely ridiculous. But with Gentle, I felt like he was too goofy and felt more like a villain from a kid's show that was trying really hard to appeal to kids. And and because of that, that vibe I got from him, I was like, I don't really know if I like this dude. Mm-hmm. And I know there's the added layer of him like attempting to be a villain because he got rejected from what he really wanted to do. So he's not going to be very good at being a villain because it's not what he wanted. But at the same time, I was like, yeah, this isn't working for me. (laughs) It's, it's not, there's a fine balance between being stupid and funny or just plain, like, I don't really like that. Like it just isn't very entertaining. And that's kind of where the gentle criminal art fell for me. Um, I will say too, that him being a YouTuber also, Kind of oh. Took me by surprise. oh no, Celia hates YouTubers. Something... No, it wasn't that. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. One of those things that made me go, oh my god, I'm old. Because <laughs> anime now are have, have like, you know, oh he you know, he's posting his exploits up on YouTube and he's a trying and he's a small time YouTuber sharing his things, and I'm like, this didn't used to be in my cartoons. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to my life. It's it is interesting too because I felt that way when I saw the cell phones in Hunter Hunter. I was like, those weren't in the manga. What what is happening? Yeah. You know, right? It, it's kind of a joke thing. And like, and to be fair too, on Celia's point, I'm not a big fan of like the Adam West Batman style type of stuff. And that's just me. You know, I'm not saying it like you have to hate it or anything. Those like they never really fit with me. And like I'm such a sucker for like dark, uh, brooding type of kind of philosophical questions that you get like, why am I doing this? Who am I doing this for? Like, I love that. I eat that up. I'll slurp that stuff up like it's a slushy. You know what I mean? So V-Lord, be a kind of a tiebreaker for us when it comes to I know how you felt at least about like the school festival itself, which I think we all agree that's at least like decent enough to have these types of things showing up. Obviously, some would like different uh, ways to do that, yada, yada, not a big deal. But how did you feel about that? How did you feel about, you know, Gentle Criminal, the types of stuff that we've been talking about so far? Because I'm glad that they like personally, I'm glad that they had an arc like this in it just to kind of show you know, those, oh, only action in my action shows. It's like, no, we can have these, you know, kind of silly, relaxed moments that don't involve fists. You know, I, I do appreciate that aspect. Yeah, I mean, I guess, like, on the topic of Gentle Criminal himself, I am a sucker for campy villains and also gentleman thieves. So I remember this conversation with you. That's right. I'm yeah, an I think idiot. it was, like, on the DC movie Yes, episode. Celia yeah. was on it, too. Celia, why didn't you remind me? <laughs> That was too long ago. My brain has already forgotten it. That is very true. But that's why I was like, I know we've had this conversation. So that's right. V-Lord did like the camp. Yeah, I, I like that camp. And uh, Gentle Criminal dropped some of the camp. I mean, he's not like the most ambitious villain out there, obviously. But I do like that he's something different from, say, Overhaul or Shigaraki, which are very much more the traditional quote-unquote villain 
that you'd seen like an action type series like this. Well, he's like, yeah, there's kind of a more tragic side to him, but like Laser said, he can also be very kind of fun and lighthearted too, which is nice. And I think for a story arc like this, where it's not trying to be overly brooding all the time, it fits in well. I will say probably my favorite tidbit that I've learned about Gentle Criminal was that, you know, the accent thing uh, they gave him for the dub. Mm hmm. Yeah. Uh, apparently Colleen Clickenbeard asked fans in the Funimation Discord how they should go about it, and they all were like, no, you should totally have a British accent. It would be great. And so they went with it. Fans That's actually perfect. came with that idea. I, I'm i like, for once, anime fans get something right. <laughs> Hooray, anime fans. One point to anime fans. Uh, I don't know, a thousand points, everything else that they get wrong. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, like, I, I just thought that was a really, really clever idea. And the fact that, like, Colleen could have easily been like, oh, no, that was totally all our idea. But the fact that, like, uh, we learned that from our interview with John Grammy, and I was like, that's so cool. That's so freaking cool. I love that type of kind of yeah, That reminds me when, when Yu Yu Show was getting dubbed. They actually had a uh, guy reach out to Mess Sports of the Age trying to find out the Blue Ogre's name, which is George, and someone in, in one of the Yu Hakusho communities is actually the one that told him. That's so cool. I love that stuff. So that's at least the nice little gentle criminal uh, type of trivia for you to impress your friends at. Uh, and if you want to make sure that I'm not BSing on that, just listen to our Toonami Faithful exclusive interview with John Gremian, where we talk all things Gentle Criminal back when it aired, I think for the second time. Maybe the first, but it could have been the second time. Because <laughs> that it we, all blurs together. <laughs> we got a lot of Gentle, which, as I, I, you hear that? I hear Celie going, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, we're kidding. And so season four kind of wraps up where we learn who the new number one hero is. Endeavor, boo. We stand hawks in this household. It should be hawks. But uh, we see Endeavor. I don't want to necessarily call it a redemption arc because there is no real redemption for the things that he's done. Let's just say this now. However, it is interesting to see him at least acknowledge that he was crap. And he wants to at least stand by being what the number one hero stands for. And that's really all I can say in a polite way when it comes to that. But in any case, we get to see, you know, who the new top 10 heroes are because All Might's sudden retirement, you know, his fight for all for one was really kind of just like, as Celia said, one of the greatest things you could ever watch in anime. And it is. It's really amazing. It is so good. Uh, And so we get to learn that. And then we see Endeavor kind of team up with Hawks and fight a Nomu. And, it's just kind of one of those things where it sets up season five, I think, really nicely. Because, boy, if there's a hero that people want to learn more about, if you're an anime-only watcher, it's Hawks. It is oh, absolutely Hawks, because he has some plans. V-Lord. Now, V-Lord can talk about this a little more than I can, Mr. Manga Reader. But I feel like the way that this final kind of little mini-arc kind of sets up for the next season is just the absolute icing on the cake when it comes to My Hero Academia. Yeah, I I agree. (laughs) I think, like, I really do find the focus on Endeavor a very questionable move in some ways, but I have found it interesting how MHA has handled it. Like, because it's very clear that Horikoshi's not trying to 
just straight up redeem Endeavor and be like, oh, okay, he's like completely absolved of every terrible, abusive thing he's done. But it, he, the entree kind of like, sticks with him. Yeah, like it's trying to make you understand like he's trying to be a better person, not for just like status or anything, but just for himself. And that is something I can at least respect. I know a lot of people have like misgivings about it, which is hundred percent understandable. And like, I'm not sure how I feel about a person myself. I, I have my own parental abuse problems from my past, but like, I think I do find it interesting to see a series, especially that is aimed towards younger kids handling a topic like this and like showing a character arc like it. I, I think that's very well put with that. It's one of those things where it really kind of shows a side that like, think of it like this way. Endeavor makes me think of like professional athletes because not all of them are angels, are they? You know, we've had a lot of instances of whether it be domestic abuse drug abuse, alcohol abuse, all these different types of things, he kind of shows that type of side of it because the way that heroes are kind of built in My Hero Academia are like celebrities, are like the big sports stars, are like these types of, you know, entertainers that a lot of people follow. And so all these people are like, yeah, Endeavor's awesome, Endeavor's awesome, but they don't know him. But yet they, they idolize him, they root for him, despite the fact that he really doesn't deserve it. And... I'm not trying to be like, okay, he can never do anything good considering what his past was. Just because, like, he's doing things good now doesn't mean that you can forget about the bad things he's done, right? It's, it comes with both. He's he, It's a package deal, and he has to make, you know, his bed with that because he, he chose what he did, uh, you know, as what he does. And I thought that My Hero actually incorporating something like that, I, I just can't believe it. Now, it does bring to attention that a lot of people are going to have very polarizing opinions about the character. And I think I could have lived without it personally, but I do think overall having something like that uh, in a story like My Hero Academia is just one of the most like different things I can ever imagine when it comes to an anime manga or anything like it. I can't quite think of anyone, any other property having something like that. Well, and like, I think it adds a really nice layer to the fact that just because you're a hero doesn't necessarily mean you have a hero's heart. Like, for example, if you look at Bakugo, who is really set up in the beginning to seem like he's not a good fit to be a hero, like with even classmates saying in season one, like, why aren't you like you should be or not season one. I think it's season three. I can't remember (laughs) when they all get kidnapped. I think it's season three. Season three. But where they're like. You should be a villain because of your attitude and your quirk. But really, he is a kind person and he has a desire to connect with people and to reach out to people despite his outward expression towards other people that makes him come across as mean spirited and is an unkind person. But with Endeavor, really, and like I'm not a manga reader, but the vibe I get from Endeavor is that being a hero was not necessarily his first choice, but perhaps a career path he was pushed to because of the nature of his quirk. And because of his own physique, like he's a very big, strong person. So just because he is the number one hero now doesn't necessarily mean that's who he was really destined to become or that he really wanted that to begin with. You have a lot of people that will pick a path just because they feel like it's what they should do, not necessarily because it reflects who they are. 
And I'm really curious to see where that's going to go following his story as, you know, as an anime only watcher. Mm. He was, I will say this, he, maybe he didn't at the beginning and I'm not, I, I don't know actually Celia because I did stop reading at a point. So I can't answer to that. He did become obsessed with it. And that obsession kind of led him to be like, well, if I can't beat All Might, then uh, my child will. So like it led to this kind of th- what he ended up doing. And I think you, that's a real kind of element that when it comes to like athletes and entertainers, Oh, I can't be better than this person, but I'll make sure that my kid, you know, it's like, it has that same type of thing. And then of course you have the kid who might also be like, Oh, what if I didn't want to do this? You know what I'm saying? So it's a very, very type of real relate real relationship. It's a real type of thing that I can easily see when it comes to uh, famous people. And I just, I, I, I find that aspect of it, like just crazy so freaking yeah, crazy it's, it's really it's... cool and like target tiger and bunny kind of touches on that as well mm-hmm. because uh in tiger and bunny which is also a superhero show like my hero academia but in that they are literally like competing for corporate sponsorships yeah <laughs> like as long as yeah. they rank up you know by you a get big old time, amazon on one of them <laughs> right tiger and Unless... bunny on tsunami when ah. uh never because we'll get it without logos and it's not as charming without oh, the logos now I'm if you watch it on netflix, netflix they took all of them off oh I'm i glad will I'm say it looks so weird without the logos too i will say it this does. to celia if you're more interested about looking deeper into bakugo i actually did an article about it because i say his transformation and who he is as a character is one of the most fascinating parts about my hero you should definitely check that out if you are interested in seeing like that type of thing as you were mentioning before when it comes to it because I, I i i see what you're saying like very much so um oh yeah definitely and like bakugo has always been set up from the beginning too even though he comes across this way he is a good boy with the heart of gold he's, he's saying he boy. wants to be the number one hero but really he wants he wants to be admired by his friends even though he treats deku like crap he still keeps coming back to him let me tell you he something. says all these unkind things right uh, so that's gonna... why i'm like i know that he's that person but endeavor does not strike me as that person no, which is all. why i'm like especially interested in his past let me tell you something there's gonna be some bakugo feels i don't know in this season but i just recently was spoiled something about a manga and i'm like oh my boy that's my boy. I was so happy. I'm gonna laugh in manga reader now. <laughs> I, I, well, I, I already know which party's talking about. Yes, you would be, why. Lord. You would absolutely know. So I'm hoping that gets adapted because, oh man, oh yeah, god, probably in like season six. But like, I was seven. when I heard about this, I literally screamed to the heavens. <laughs> I freaking told you so. It was great, but uh, but yeah, and and for just for ending sake. Uh, the last part we see is where Deku kind of gets a dream of uh, all for one of all the users of all or one for all, excuse me. And he then breaks a hole in his house <laughs> or no, not his house in his dorm. I think, Oh my God, that was kind of funny. I'm just like, yeah, that's Deku breaking shit as usual. At least it's not him this time. Right. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much season four and we're getting ready for season five with class one, a versus class one B. And if you're upset about characters not getting enough spotlight, boy, do I have a story arc for you. Right. <laughs> uh, but uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to the addition of my hero coming back. I think everyone on this panel would agree on that. Maybe not. I don't know. I don't like to put words. No, in MHA is terrible. See, it's terrible. I never watch it ever. <laughs> I knew it, Celia. Please, about. Celia, please help me. I'm scared. We only, only Demon Slayer. Yep, we only stand Demon <laughs> yes. Slayer. That's it. Only That's Demon it. Slayer. Where is our 
third run of Demon Slayer. I would prefer it over Attack on Titan. <laughs> yeah, I said it. What are you going to do about it? You know, that is a fair thing, though. Like, obviously, I understand that there are logistics behind it as to why they're rerunning Attack on Titan so soon. But it literally is rerunning after it, the final episode airs. I'd so rather have that's where Demon I feel like, Slayer. are we going to give this time to breathe before we bring it back? I guess not. But OK, like, I understand it. It'll but at the same there time, forever. I'm not a fan. V-Lord, V-Lord, just know I said I want more Demon Slayer instead. Let it let the record show. I mean, hopefully we'll get it eventually. Okay. One can Season hope. Season two is coming later this year. So now that movie, on the other hand, probably not. We'll uh, never, no, we'll never know. Not. But you know what? To save my time, to save myself some trouble, I'll just watch Demon Slayer on Blu-ray while I wait. It's good. Yes, those limited edition choice. Blu-rays. Um, no, no, God's I got those. Okay. I've got the. I've got those affordable Blu-rays. Yeah, because you're not a real fan like me. Hey-oh. <laughs> it's, it's true. I'm not, I'm Slayer I'm not even I'm part Slayer of the podcast. Demon Slayer podcast. And I'm, I'm out here doing this. I'm handing over the deed to the Demon Slayer podcast. <laughs> as, uh, as you can see, we're getting a bit loopy, which is fun. It's good. It's very good. Uh, and basically, uh, let's at least kind of say what we're looking forward to, what you want to see for the future. I know for me, I'm a big fan of this next arc only because guess what we get to see class 1b and a certain character that i absolutely enjoyed from season two returns as well i'm not gonna say who you'll know you'll know and i think a lot of uh my hero fans uh stand this character so it's awesome so i'm excited for that i like the battles too um i always find these types of kind of exercises to be fun like back in season one where we had uraraka and deku versus bakugo and ida I, I really love these training exercises, so I'm excited to see this. But yeah, guys, uh, quickly, what what are you looking forward to? I'll I'll go to Celia first. Ladies first. Well, since I haven't started season five yet, by the, when it airs, it'll be a surprise for me. Um, but I am looking forward to seeing more of One B. I especially liked the little window into Shinso back <laughs> in season two during the tournament arc, and I've heard rumblings on Twitter that. He appears a bit more in the new season. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, I don't know if she actually shows up, but I really want more Neji Day. <laughs> I would really like to see more of her. I was really excited for her character because in the Japanese cast, she's voiced by uh, Kyono Yasuno, who I really love her singing work. And so I was excited to see her in the cast. And then they kind of didn't really do very much with Neji Day. So I'd like to see a bit more with her, especially since she is in the top three students, like, She's one of the big three. She's very powerful. So I want to see more of that. Hopefully it's in season five. Um, I'm not, I'm not saying a word. No, uh, I'm not saying, no, no, it's not even just that. I'm just not saying a damn thing. Uh, and also more Mount Lady, right? 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 Oh, of course. Hello? Oh, and Mirio. Yes, and Mirio too. I want to see more Mirio. <laughs> this is basically just me saying all the cute girls and the badass women I really love to see more in this show. Please and thank you. I mean, I'm not going to say no to that. Laser, what are you most looking forward to in season five? Uh, seeing how they adapt everything, because I am current with the manga, so uh, I, I can't say what I'm looking forward to because I already know what's coming. Although, I am very much looking forward to the fandom's reaction to the second half of the season, because it's going to be interesting. 
Nice, nice, nice. V-Lord, what are you looking forward to? So, like, Laser, since I already know what's happening, I'm mostly interested in the fan reaction. Oh, dear God. Specifically, a certain twist in the first half, and then also, like Laser saying, the second half and what that's going to cover. So, for our listeners, Laser and V-Lord are sadists, so let's just (laughs) call it like it is. I hate you both. It's fine. I'm not mad or anything. No, it's fine. But yeah, so that's pretty much it. And you know me. I just want to see uh, the Class 1A, 1B fight because I, I liked reading it. It was fun. It was a lot of fun. So uh, hopefully you get to see that. But on that note, we are going to call it a show right there. So let's get the house clean taken care of. Hmm. Let, me, let me take a deep breath. I always fuck up on this. <laughs> You would think for someone who's done broadcasting so much, I'd be able to do this part pretty easily. Uh, I don't know why. Uh, now, you can email us at podcast at tunamifaithful.com. So you can email us all types of questions that you'd like to ask and tell us, what did you look forward or what are you looking forward to at My Hero Academia Season 5? And what did you like about Season 4? We'd love to hear all your responses for that. And email again at podcast at because i don't get those paul does so annoy paul it's so it's fine it's totally fine you can follow the podcast on facebook at facebook.com slash tsunami faithful podcast and on twitter at tsunami podcast you can listen to the podcast on just about everything including itunes google music spotify if it hosts a podcast you can hear the tsunami faithful podcast you can find every episode of the podcast to stream online at soundcloud.com slash tsunami faithful podcast and get the latest news by following tsunami news on twitter where you will see all types of news announcements editorials reviews you name it they're all there at tsunami faithful.com and you can subscribe to the tsunami faithful pass at patreon.com slash tsunami faithful where you can see the behind the scenes interviews full interviews of uh, guests from the Toonami documentary, What Toonami Means to Me. Just recently, we debuted the interview with Lizzie Freeman, which was a real fun time. Hopefully, you take a listen. And do not forget to check out the full documentary on our YouTube and Facebook page of What Toonami Means to Me. Sadly enough, I actually came up with an idea that I might do for part two. So God help me. <laughs> well, it's, you know, the worst part is the, the title is so good. Oh, it's such a great title. It's so clever. And that's the only reason why, I mean, don't get me wrong. The subject matter would be really cool, but oh man, when I was like, how would I do part two? Cause I don't want to just do what Tsunami means to me part two. I just thought of the best way of doing it. I'm like, oh, I might want to do this. I might want to do it. Get ready uh, for a seven-hour documentary, folks. Oh, you better believe it. <laughs> Schneider Cut ain't got nothing yes. on me. Uh, but yeah, that'll that'll do it for us. So, Laser, where could our listeners find you? Oh, they can find me on Twitter at LaserKidPrime. You can find, of course, my Tsunami-focused articles here on Tsunami Faithful. Um, and you can also find me on the Demon Slayer podcast for a regular guest and the Dumb Weebs podcast. Just so you know, he's not a dumb weeb. Laser's a smart weeb. Just, just throwing <laughs> that out there. Uh, V-Lord, where could our listeners find you? Yeah, people can find me on Twitter at VLordGTZ. Then I write manga reviews over at all-comic.com. And then occasionally editorials about Tanami for Tanami Faithful. But then I do a bunch of podcasts because I don't understand the concept of free time. The biggest of them is the Demon Slayer podcast on Twitter at DSlayerPodcast. 
But then there's also the Dumb Weeps podcast, like Laser mentioned, at Dumb Weeps Pod. Then Oversoul Shaman King podcast, at Shaman King Pod. And then Saturday Night Shoggy, at Sat Night Shoggy. So go check out, out all those. And V-Lord's project in the Demon Slayer podcast was featured on a New York Times article, which was super fun to see. I was very excited, V-Lord. I was so happy to see your name in there. I was like, I know that guy. I know him. It still feels very weird. (laughs) It's awesome, though. I'm very happy that your hard work is being noticed, especially for something that you love so much like Demon Slayer. Consider, and now for a backstory, too, V-Lord has been such a stan of this franchise well before it became popular he was like begging people to read it and the fact that he's you know hosting this demon slayer podcast that it's been getting a lot of recognition it has to feel really good v lord like your hard work is really being rewarded yeah nah. i mean I, I definitely feel very happy about it but it's of course also a team effort all the help that everyone at chanami faithful has helped out with it including people like laser sakaki and everyone if it weren't for them it probably wouldn't be as successful as it is so <laughs> They get probably just as much credit as anything Absolutely. I've done. Absolutely. You've got my running gags about trains. <laughs> yes, those have helped a lot. Oh, I feel like Celia is going to be on an episode, and it's just nothing but puns. Celia, Sketch, Laser, and V-Lord. Are we punny? Oh, is Demon Slayer punny? <laughs> that is going to be the pun-ception uh, there. Yeah. Uh, Do Celia. you know how many train puns I've had to refrain from since we posted about Mugen Train going into theaters on our account? Oh no! I've I've put a kibosh on a lot of them. <laughs> oh my! Uh, and Celia, Celia, Miss Celia, where could our listeners find you? You can find me on Twitter at Planet Twinkle, and also on Facebook as uh, Celia Rose Cosplay, and on all of our Toonami Faithful accounts on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Whatever you tag us in or comment on, I can see it. And she says this from the bottom of her heart: more ham ham support. I love it because I know a certain someone who's like, can we stop with the Hamtaro? No, 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 no. I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting on the SD Gundam post. When are we getting that out? Yes, that's right. Soon. It may even be out by the time this episode comes out. There may have already been an SD Gundam post made. I love finding like random (laughs) ass shows to tweet about with Celia because we're like, oh, that's pretty good. Like the IGPX one I thought was really fun that we got to do. We did the uh, Dragon Ball Super theme song because that's still freaking stuck in my head. We come up with some (laughs) funny stuff with that. You know, and so, like I said, for those of you who have been enjoying our social media content, which I think has been killing it in the past like two, three weeks, like even more so than normal. Uh, you can thank her for a lot of it. She's been amazing. So, and if for those of you who are interested, and I don't think there'd be many, you can follow me on Twitter at CJ Mafras. Uh, I do editorials, reviews this week from Toonami stuff with Celia, podcasts, Pokemon, all hail Diggersby. Diggersby is good. If you want to play competitive Pokemon, Diggersby is your mon. Thing is amazing. I love it. The buns. I love them. But uh, yeah, you can find me there. Uh, I don't think I'll be streaming anytime soon, but maybe. Who knows? I don't know. But if I do, it's CJ Mapras on that as well. And yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed our discussion and rambles. We did ramble a bit, but that's fine. Everyone loves a little personality, right? But uh, hopefully you enjoy this episode of the podcast. Make sure to like and share. And thank you for listening. And we'll see you again soon. Bye.